Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, Numa Church. Welcome to the new Numa Church MasterChef cooking show that things have escalated in this COVID isolation season where we just want to serve up to you some uh, fresh delights straight from the kitchen of God's heart. And uh, we've got uh, some amazing people joining us for a romantic dinner, uh, particularly over on this side. I'm not too sure about that side. Um, But it's great that we can be together today um, as we begin our closest season. And uh, I just want to encourage you in this season around your prayer and your giving. And also as we head into a season of, of denying ourselves from some of our natural appetites, particularly when it comes to food. And we've got some food up here on this platform. We want to encourage you to draw closer to the heart of God over the next 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, I'm, I'm going to encourage you as we head into a season where there are continuing restrictions that we're all facing, particularly here in the state of Victoria, wherever you're watching online around the world, you would be aware that uh, it appears that things are escalating when it comes to the amount of people being infected with this virus. We really need to stand together and pray and fast in this season for the intervention of heaven, that just as in the scriptures and in the history books, we see God intervening and stopping pestilences and famines and all sorts of things that have affected and plagued humanity. I believe that this virus has to come under the authority of the power of the name of Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you to join with us in prayer to actually believe that as we pray and fast together over these next 21 days, we're gonna see the power of God move in our state, move in the nation of Australia and move right across the world in a powerful way. I wanna thank every single member of the church for all of your giving and your generosity. We have seen God bless Numa Church powerfully over these last few months. Can we encourage you to keep giving, keep being faithful, keep praying. We are so looking forward to connecting with you on the other side of these restrictions. But in the meanwhile, we're gonna stay vigilant. We're gonna stay steadfast in what God has called us to do. Jesus is still building His church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this pandemic cannot stop God's purposes for your life, your family and our church and this nation. God is with us. And if God be for us, who dare be against us? And so we're gonna pray together as we start this closest season together. We've got some amazing uh, weeks of services and different uh, creative points of engagement during the week for prayer, for uh, Bible study, for all sorts of things. So let's pray together. Let's get into this. Father, we just thank You today for Your goodness and Your grace. We thank You, Lord, that You are faithful to Your Word. And I thank You today, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That, Father, it isn't in our own willpower. It's not in our own ability, but it is in the joy that You provide that goes beyond a circumstance that is a living reality because of the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And I pray for every single person watching online today that they would be encouraged, that they would be built up in their faith, that their minds would be renewed, their hearts would be transformed, 
that together, oh God, we would grow into the full measure and stature of Jesus Christ. I pray a great anointing upon your word that, Father, you would come and do something beyond what I can do in my own strength. And Lord, we just declare today for every single one of us, it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by your spirit. And we just thank you, Father, that you are for us. And we come against, we come into agreement and we come against this agenda of the enemy to wreak havoc across the earth. And Lord, we pray, oh God, that Christians and churches would rise up in a spirit of prayer and intercession. I pray over the next 21 days, oh God, that we would see a shift in the heavenlies. We would see a shift in the news reports. We would see a shift, Lord God, in this city of Melbourne, the state of Victoria, and across the entire nation and all across the earth, oh God, that there would be an intervention of heaven. Father, I pray that we would be full of faith. I pray, Lord, that we would be relentless in our commitment to pray and where you lead us into fasting, whatever that may look like, one day of fasting, seven days, 21 days, God, we are going to commit ourselves to drawing closer to you, denying ourselves, decreasing our natural appetite so that we can encounter your spirit. God, we love you, we honour you, and we commit to you this moment in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has a few things to say about a whole lot of stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, but particularly around prayer and fasting. I know over the next two weeks that you're going to hear some messages from Matthew chapter 6 and looking forward to having uh, Pastor Stacey Hillier come and preach the Word. We've also got Dr. Mike Gretschko coming to preach the Word on prayer and share his uh, and God's heart on prayer. But I want to open this series by drawing us to just a few key verses, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, and it says this, when you fast, this is Jesus speaking, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Today, I wanna begin this closer season by talking to you on the subject, the key to breakthrough. I'm gonna share with you what the Bible teaches about not only what it means to draw near to the heart of God, but in fact, what it means to experience breakthrough in your life. Now, when my wife and I planted a church in 2006, there were 13 of us together and we had very little money, but we had a whole lot of faith and a whole lot of passion. And in those first few months, we actually set up our base of operations for the church in our garage. We built a makeshift office in our garage and literally just a few of us were gathered together on a weekly basis and uh, I was the only one uh, employed by the church and everyone else was volunteer and we were just believing that God was going to do something amazing out of our own living room and garage. 
Well, it became apparent very quickly that God's hand was really on the church. We started to see the church grow uh, very quickly uh, in that first year to about 140 people in attendance. And many of them were first-time believers. And in those, that first year, we discovered, well, we need a bigger office premises and base of operations to build the church. And so we got in contact with the Victorian manager of Queensland Investment Corporation who owned Eastland Shopping Centre in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne and much other property across Melbourne. And I went into his office in a facility that was just next door to Eastland and I asked him for his help to help us find a facility. He asked me, how much money do you have? I said, not much. He said, well, I can't do much for not much. So I felt very encouraged in the Lord, not in that moment. And so he began to talk about moving their base of operations into Collins Street in the city, and they were gonna vacate that premises. So I rather boldly said, would you consider giving this premises to us? We'll pay you $1,000 a month for this premises. We'll look after it for you. It had 20 car spaces, multiple offices, boardroom, training room, and it would be perfect for the church. Well, he considered that idea for two seconds and didn't think that was a great idea. And so I walked out with no answers. We went into, as a church, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And on day 16, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to go back and ask for the building. And I said, but God. And he said, but no, go and ask the man for the building. And so after the 21 days prayer and fasting, I took my business manager. We walked into a boardroom. We sat down with this man. And before I even got the words out of my mouth to ask him for the building, he threw the keys across the table at me, true story, and said, so do you want my building or not? And for the next two years, we occupied that premises rent-free and we went from 13 people in a lounge room and a few people in a garage to two years later, nearly 250 people in the church in attendance. God used it to actually bring breakthrough into the life of the church. Now, two of the most significant breakthroughs that I've ever received in my own personal life and ministry took place during prayer and fasting. Biblical fasting is the voluntary abstinence of food for spiritual breakthrough. There's all sorts of ideas out there about what fasting looks like, but it's actually the literal abstinence of food. Now, the question is gonna be asked, why on earth would you deny yourself New York cheesecake or lemon meringue pie or a good steak that we have over here, which I just whipped up before the service? Why would you deny yourself the, your, your favorite meal. Just bring to mind your favorite meal. It could be lobster for Dr. Mike Gretzko. It could be prawns. It could be all sorts of things. What is your favorite meal? Why would you deny yourself? What logical, rational sense would there be in denying yourself of your favorite meal? Well, the truth is, from a biblical perspective, some spiritual blessings will only come in response to physical hunger. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 6, which speaks more than just the, the, the literal hunger of the flesh. It speaks of our spirit and our heart, but it says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I was just recently talking with Dr. Alan Meyer 
who was my pastor and spiritual father for many years, and he was talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting really shaped his entire life and future. He talked about how on day two or three, his his attitude towards people around him, his uh, issues with leadership all melted as God just gave him a heart of love for people. He, He began to, on day four and five, identify along with his wife a property that uh, God was calling them to purchase. And and over the course of the 21 days, all of these amazing breakthroughs and being filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching and authority and power. And it was coming out of that 21 days of prayer and fasting that Dr. Allen and Helen Meyer were called to lead Mount Evelyn Christian Fellowship. And it set up their whole financial future. It set up their whole ministry future. Because I'm telling you today that prayer and fasting is a key to breakthrough in your life. Prayer and fasting is an invitation to every believer hungry for breakthrough. And the Bible says, Jesus says in verse 16, when you fast. Now there are three basic activities of every believer. The Bible talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. If you have a problem with giving, then take it up with the master chef himself, Jesus Christ, because he is the one who exhorts us and calls us to be a generous, giving people. One of the values that we have in this church is love gives generously. You can't say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and not be generous towards Him. You can't say you love people and not be generous towards them. That lacks authenticity. Jesus said when you give, implying it would be a normal expected part of the everyday lifestyle of a believer. When you give, when you pray, Jesus said, and when you fast. These are basic spiritual activities and disciplines that Jesus calls us to imbibe of and embrace as part of being a follower of Christ. And if it was good enough for the Son of God to not only call us to that, but to actually practice prayer and fasting himself, I would suggest to you it's probably important for us to consider what role does prayer and fasting have in our own lives. Now what fasting is, is dethroning king stomach. What fasting does is it acknowledges Jesus, you are king of kings and lord of lords over my life, not my physical appetites, not my stomach, not the lusts of my flesh, not the impulsive nature of my uh, uh, brokenness, but Jesus, you are king of kings and you are lord of lords. Now, there is a saying that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And if there are any you know, ladies out there who are wanting to get some favour with that special man in their life, there could be an element of truth to this. Just an idea. Might not be the only way, but it's just an idea. The way to a man's heart, that's for you, Pastor Jade, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Now, you've got to consider that in Genesis chapter 3, let's get back on point for a second. Genesis chapter 3, that sin entered into the human condition, into the story of humanity, into the human heart through Adam and Eve's willful rebellion against God's instructions and God's commandments, taking the matters into their own hands. And they decided to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're not exactly sure what type of fruit that was, but it was a fruit. And 
that their willful rebellion and disobedience in eating of the fruit of the tree of of good and, and, and evil actually resulted in sin entering into the human condition. We read further on in the Old Testament and and Hebrews 12, 15 to 17 confirms this where Esau, the brother of Jacob, literally ate himself out of his destiny, sold his birthright for an ugly bowl of red stew. Looking at that, I don't know why you would do that, but he must have been really hungry. And you know what, you know, you're not yourself when you're hangry. So he must have been really hungry that day and he literally eats himself out of the will and the purpose of God for your life. And I see a a consistent principle through the scriptures about this. If Satan can use food to enslave you and bring you into a stronghold of bondage in your life, how much more can God use fasting and prayer to break sinful habits and addictions and draw you closer to the heart of God? What prayer and fasting does is it sacrifices the temporal so that you can touch the eternal. Prayer and fasting actually decreases your natural appetite so that you can get a greater appetite for the things of the kingdom of God. And we're living in a time of self-indulgence. We're living in a time where we've forgotten the great and last fruit of the uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of self-control. I call self-control the forgotten fruit of the Holy Spirit because we're living in a culture that is impulsive, that's self-indulgent, that's greedy, that's self-serving. Paul talks about this, that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. They'll be serving themselves, thinking of themselves, indulging of themselves. And God has given us a weapon. God has given us a strategy to combat this impulsive nature of our flesh, it's called prayer and fasting. Now it's important to understand that the greatest obstacle to getting breakthrough is to pray and fast to advertise your spirituality. The Bible talks about this in the second part of verse 16, go there with me. Jesus said when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What the Pharisees and what the Jewish leaders would do, they would advertise their spirituality while they were praying and fasting, getting the sympathy vote, and in the process they undermined their spiritual reward. Now the Greek word for hypocrite literally means actor, as in actors on a stage performing for a crowd. Their fasting in the New Testament, particularly with the Jewish authorities, was a religious performance to earn them kudos before people. Why you do what you do is just as important as what you actually do. Motivation matters to God. And in your relationship with God, you can do the right things. You can even appear the right way before others, but do it all for the wrong reasons and actually undermine your spiritual reward. And the breakthrough that God wants to give you in your own life, and and God is trying to draw our attention to the fact that He honours a pure heart. He honours a pure motivation. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. There is a blessing that comes upon you when you do what God has asked you to do out of the purity of your own heart towards God. The goal of prayer and fasting is not to appear super spiritual to people around about us and to get people to look at us and say, aren't you so pious and aren't you so holy and aren't you so amazing that you deny yourself some uh, delight that you enjoy having from time to time or maybe every day. No, the goal of prayer and fasting is to move closer to God's heart, not to move God's heart. It's actually become more like Christ. It's to move closer. This whole season of closer is about drawing near to the heart of God. It's about becoming more like Jesus and believing for spiritual breakthrough in our lives. God is not reluctant that he, you know, reluctant to bless you, reluctant to to bring good things. The Bible says that if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the heavenly father give good things and another translation says give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him so it's not that we're trying to move a God that is reluctant no it's we're drawing closer to God's heart and in the process his desires become our desires and as we delight in him he comes and says a yes and amen to the desire that's uttered out of our mouth as we deny ourselves and we begin to see a spiritual breakthrough in our lives How do we actually overcome a wrong motive? Well, the answer is found in the text. We've got to pray and fast in private, trusting that God will reward us in public. The Bible says this in verse 17. Listen along or go there with me of Matthew 6. But when you fast, there it is again, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. One of the fascinating things about Jesus' ministry is he valued secrecy over publicity. After he would perform a miracle, you'd see this over and over again in the Gospels that, you know, he'd open blind eyes and he'd say, now, don't go and tell anyone. Now, if that was you and I, We'd be on Instagram straight away. We'd be on Facebook. We'd be all over social media. Can you believe what has just happened? God has opened the eyes of a blind person. Wow, and he even used me or you to do it. We'd be all over it. And on one level, there wouldn't necessarily be anything bad about that because also I think the Scriptures talk about testifying to the good works. Let your light shine before others. Testifying to the good works of what God has done in you. But in Jesus' ministry, He said, put your Instagram away. Put your Facebook away. No one getting on the internet. Let's shut the cameras down. No more online. We're actually going to keep this a secret. What is that about? Well, it's interesting that we see in the Old Testament, the contrast between Moses and Joshua. When Moses sent 12 spies to the promised land to spy out the land, there was a great song and dance about it. He asked CNN and Fox News to come on down with their cameras. All the news reporters are there. Everyone's got their phones and they're filming this big announcement. All of uh, Israel's there. He selects 12 key leaders and chiefs from the tribes of Israel. You're gonna go out and you're gonna spy the promised land. And so with a big song and dance, they've all got their tambourines. They're all got their shofars. They're blown away. They're making a big song and dance about it. And they send out these 12 spies. These 12 spies go and check out the promised land and they come back. 
Well, because of the public nature of the send-off, there's also a public nature and expression of receiving the report. And they came back with a negative, fear-filled report. And as a result, 12 spies that did something publicly for all to see actually restricted and stopped an entire nation from stepping into their destiny. You've got to be careful about the things that you parrot off and declare publicly if you haven't, first of all, won the victory in the secret place. Joshua, on the other hand, he learns and listens to what happened to his predecessor and Joshua sends two spies secretly to Jericho. They go and spy out the land. They end up in Rahab's house. Rahab and her family, particularly Rahab, is a prostitute and through this process actually repents and you discover that Rahab is included in the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, but it was all done secretly and two spies and a prostitute accomplished for an entire nation secretly what 12 spies publicly could not do. I want to tell you today, if you'll take care of the shadows of your life, God will take care of the spotlight of your life. Stop worrying about the spotlight. Who's watching you? Who's looking at what you do? And start living your life with honour and purity of heart in the shadows and God will reward you. You see, social media as good as a tool as it can be used for, has actually given everyone a platform to tell everyone everything about what's going on in people's lives. And our culture has actually been propagated this idea where a lot of people want to say something simply because they've got a platform to do so through social media. But that's not the issue. The issue isn't I've got to say something. The issue is, have you got anything worth to say? It's not about just using your platform to parrot ideas and opinions. It's about using your life, using your private moments, using your everyday moments to live a life of a faithful witness and testimony for the truth of who Jesus Christ is and letting God build your platform, letting God build your life to make a difference in other people's lives. The greatest breakthroughs in my life have happened in the secret place, not in the spotlight. In fact, the spotlight, the lights, the camera, the actions was simply a reflection of all of the stuff in the secret place with God that had been many years before. And whether the lights, camera and action happen or they don't, the point is, will you still love him? Will you still be faithful? Will you still serve him? Will you still do your best with whatever God asks you to do, regardless of the outcome? Prayer and fasting is the ultimate private discipline that brings public reward. And that's why I believe that prayer and fasting is the nuclear bomb of breakthrough in the believer's life. If there could be some sense of a spiritual atomic bomb that you could find that could actually bring things to pass like never before to accelerate the purposes of God, if there's anything that I've seen God use in my life and in other people's lives, it's prayer and fasting. In Mark chapter 9, the story is told of a father who has a problem with his son. His son has been tormented by demons and he brings his son to the disciples and asks for their help. Jesus comes down from Mount Transfiguration, hanging out a spiritual retreat with Moses and Elijah and he comes down and sees an argument ensuing a disagreement between the disciples and the father. He says, what's going on? The father says, 
I brought my son to your disciples to ask them for help, but they could not cast the demons out. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Jesus ministers freedom to the boy. And as he's ministering freedom to this young man, not only does he get dramatically delivered and and set free from the oppression that's on him and in him, but after the fact, the disciples get Jesus aside in the green room and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, why could we not cast the demon out? In other words, Why the lack of power? And Jesus said, this kind cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, if there is a lack in our lives, one of the principles that you would have heard me talk about time and time again, the lack is never on God's end. God is all sufficient. He's almighty. He is all powerful. There can be no lack in God. Otherwise, he's not God. If there is a lack in our lives, the lack is always our part. We have a part to play in this. And the root of spiritual powerlessness in our lives is linked to prayerlessness. And the root and what is behind prayerlessness is this issue of self-dependence. If you really believe that you are the answer to all of your questions and all of your problems, you will not pray. You will not deny yourself of food. You will not do what you need to do to get breakthrough. You will seek for answers in all of the different options in life before you come to the end of yourself and say, God, I am not God. I am not the Lord of my life and I need your help. And the quicker you come to that realisation, the quicker you actually set yourself up for supernatural breakthrough in your life to better understand who God is and see God move in your life in a miraculous way. Life has a habit of presenting to us problems that we are powerless to change in our own strength. Have you discovered that? That just every now and then, life has a way of just letting you know you're not in control. It's like pre-COVID restrictions. You know, everyone's got their plans for 2020. Everyone's got their things that they want to do and we're going to do this in the church and, and we're gonna, maybe you like planned a massive holiday trip overseas this year and maybe you had big plans for your business and you wanted to launch a book or an album or something, all of these great plans and you just realise really quick that literally overnight everything can be shut down, everything can be taken out of your hands because at the end of the day, We are not the masters of our own universe. We desperately need the living, breathing reality of God Himself at work in our lives. And I don't know about you, but whatever I've got to do to partner with the Creator of the heavens and the earth, whatever I've got to do to actually position myself to allow the Spirit of God to work through me as a conduit, to move through me and help me get His perspective on the earthly realities that I face, I want to do. And such an event took place back in World War II. Hitler was actually preparing to invade Great Britain and uh, Winston Churchill and all of his cabinet actually discovered what day through intelligence, what day that Hitler and his armies were going to invade. And so they alerted the king and King George called for a national day of prayer and fasting. The churches were packed. People were on their knees for one day seeking God, praying and fasting. And Hitler delayed his invasion of Great 
Britain by three days and it gave the Allies enough of a window of opportunity to bolster their defences and those three days shifted the entire trajectory of the Second World War. I'm here to tell somebody today, you may be facing what seems like impossible circumstances with a lack of work, a lack of money, issues in your body, all sorts of things going on in your life. Desperate measures call for desperate times. What are you willing to do to actually position yourself, number one, to draw closer to God, but number two, to actually begin to see God move in your life like never before? You see, Cy Rogers, who now has been promoted to glory in the presence of God, a great friend of ours and a great preacher of the Word of God, actually in, the early, in his early 20s really struggled with brokenness in his own sexuality. Grew up in a family where he had a disconnected relationship with his father. He was sexually abused by extended family members and it resulted in all sorts of brokenness where he began to live a very sexually promiscuous lifestyle, really struggled with homosexuality and even had booked in an operation to change his gender. And he was a really broken person. He gets radically saved and decides to do a 21-day Daniel fast where he would pray and fast to ask God to really help him in this area of his life. And on the seventh day, he got dramatically filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, where the power of God came into his life. And he says on the 11th day, there was such a breaking off of this oppression on his mind and his heart that he felt like a transformed person. The desires that he once had, the, the wrestles to the extent that he had began to decrease and lessen in his life. And he began to have new desires and a new working of the Holy Spirit in his life that saw him become a minister of the gospel, saw him marry and have kids, saw him, God use him in an amazing way. That not, may not be your story, but it was his story and testimony of what prayer and fasting did in his own personal life. You see, where do you need breakthrough in your life? Can I encourage you that for prayer and fasting to be effective, it must be entered into with both faith and practical wisdom. And what I wanna do right now is just give you some practical tips so that you can enter into these 21 days with a, with a sense of not only faith to believe for breakthrough, but some practical sense to actually help you in your prayer and fasting. The first thing is to understand prayer and fasting is never convenient. There is never a good time to deny yourself of lemon meringue pie. Never a good time. There's never a good time to deny yourself of your favorite food. Whatever your favorite food is, it's like you can find all the reasons. I'm sure you can, Pastor Steve. You can find all the reasons as to why you should eat your favorite delicacy or food that's in front of you. There's always an appointment. There's always a lunch meeting. There's always something that comes up that will you know, excuse you out of actually denying yourself of food practically. This is what I've discovered. The fear of fasting is actually worse than fasting itself. The fear of fasting is actually worse than the fasting itself. Fasting with prayer is possible by God's grace, not your willpower. If you're just trying to muscle this through and will yourself, while there may be an element of your partnership in this, it's got to be by God's grace. God's grace is sufficient for you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. You can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are different types of fasts. There are partial fasts where you may fast a meal a day. 
there are, or maybe two meals a day. There's the normal fast where you would not eat anything, but you would simply uh, have fluids continually on a daily basis throughout the day, be it water or a little bit of orange juice, or whatever it may be. There is a absolute fast where you would deny yourself of both food and water. We would discourage you from doing that for all sorts of health reasons. But then there are different measures or timelines of fast. There's a one-day fast. The Day of Atonement was a day of fasting in the Jewish calendar. There's the three-day fast. The Apostle Paul, when he got converted, didn't eat or drink for three days. There's the seven-day fast. David fasted seven days to see the intervention of heaven in his family and in Jerusalem. There's the 21-day Daniel fast, where it's fasting meats and delicacies and things and only having uh, fruit and vegetables and water. There's the 40-day Jesus fast. Moses fasted 40 days. There's all sorts of lengths of different fasts. We as a church are doing a 21-day fast, but you can choose to do the full 21 days or actually choose to do different portions of those 21 days in seven-day blocks or whatever it may be, three-day blocks a week to actually uh, engage in this practice of fasting. Not only that, but I would encourage you to consider what we call a fasted lifestyle. It's where for many years, I would pray and fast one day a week. And generally for me, it was about a Thursday as I was praying and fasting into the weekend, believing for God to move powerfully uh, through the ministry uh, of the church on the weekend. And so I did this for many years. And so if you practice this, maybe 40 weeks a year, you can have 40 days of prayer and fasting a year, but you break it up one day a week in your life. It's another way of going about it. Can I say this? Fasting without prayer is just a weird form of dieting. We would not encourage that. Fasting, a biblical fast, is you replace food with prayer. And so where you would once eat a meal, you spend time in prayer. Sometimes can be quite practically challenging, but it's what prayer and fasting actually is. Can I encourage you to taper food intake leading in to your prayer and fasting? The first three days are the hardest. I would encourage you to drink lots of water, get the San Pellegrino out or the still water, whatever it is that you need to do and make sure you are drinking plenty of water. It's all just a part of Numa's Master Chef show. And so I would encourage you to, to observe the mild symptoms. It could be of uh, detoxing from caffeine or different things. Yes, for those of you who don't think you can live without caffeine, you can. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life and you've got to make sure that you replace it with lots of water. You will feel hungry the first three days. Even your fingers will start to look like pieces of food. And so they'll start to look delicious. You've got to resist yourself from chewing your fingers off. You've got to turn your hunger pains into spiritual gains in Jesus' name. And you've actually got to focus yourself on what it is that you're doing this for. You see, the paradox of prayer and fasting is that when you're physically weak, you're actually spiritually strong. And often you will feel physically weak. And you'll be thinking to yourself, nothing's working. Nothing's happening. I feel miserable. I, I'm, 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 I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm mad at the dog. I'm mad at my spouse. I'm not happy. And it's not that anyone else is the problem. It's just you're hungry. What you've got to do is remind yourself, why am I doing this? 
to draw closer to God. And when you feel like nothing is happening, let me assure you, God is on the job. God is moving. He's speaking. He's doing things. And you'll start to become aware of the spirit realm and God speaking and working in your life through His Word. Make sure you spend lots of time feasting on the Word of God. The other thing is to match the intensity of your lifestyle to the length of the fast. You are going to have to evaluate and navigate your exercise and your work regime. Why? Because when you have less food and fuel in your body, you're going to have less energy to be able to do what you normally do. It's important that you consider that whilst we admire Jesus' 40-day fast in the wilderness, we forget He wasn't doing any actual ministry work other than prayer, which is a whole lot of ministry work. He was actually isolated in the wilderness without the demand of people around about him. And it wasn't until after the 40 days when he was absolutely physically hungry that the enemy came and tempted him. I would suggest to you that you break your fast with foods that are easy to digest. I would encourage you not to serve yourself up a nice batch of hot pikelets with maple syrup. You might get stuck in more places than one. And so I've heard some horror stories of some people who have eaten all manner of uh, uh, dense foods that have actually caused them. In fact, one unfortunate gentleman ended up in intensive care and had to have some pikelets extracted by surgery. You don't want to be that person. So I would encourage you to actually avail yourself of some soup, foods that are easily digestible as you come off your fast and resume your normal eating. Probably not eating lobster, Dr. Mike, is the way to go. But if you begin with some broth or some soup or things that you can easily digest, it'll be really helpful for you. You know, Satan at the end of Jesus' 40 days in prayer and fasting said to Jesus, turn these stones into loaves of bread. If you are really the son of God, then prove it. Turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus responded, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Can I encourage you in this season, more than all of your favorite foods, more than the things that you enjoy eating, can I encourage you to feast upon the word of God? Store up the Word of God in your heart. Feed yourself the Word of God. You shall not live by bread alone or steak alone or fruit alone or lemon meringue pie alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is time. Can I just prophetically declare, close the season is open. It is time to stop indulging your flesh and it's time to start feeding your spirit. Begin to feed on the Word of God. Begin to feed your spirit with the power of the presence of God because closer is about drawing near to the heart of God and actually believing for spiritual breakthrough in your life. And what I wanna do right now is ask that you would close your eyes with me and we're gonna pray together and we're gonna believe that God is going to move supernaturally in this moment. We're gonna draw attention as we pray to a couple of key things that maybe in your heart, God might put a finger on and say, this is what I want you to do in this prayer and fasting season. I want you to deny yourself one day, three days, seven days, 10 days, 21 days, whatever it may look like. I want you to not eat that and I want you to do this. We're gonna believe that God right now by His Spirit is gonna speak to us. So wherever you are, 
on the platform here, all of our production team, wherever you are, why don't we just stop? Let's just quiet our hearts before God. Let's pray and let's believe that God is gonna speak to us in a powerful way right now. Father, we just thank you that you've given us such a, a powerful example in the person of Jesus Christ. That Lord, He showed us that while He was fully and properly God, He was also fully and properly man. He did what He did in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we are coming to You today and we are asking, Lord God, that You would move powerfully right now in this moment. That Holy Spirit, You would speak to us about what it is that You want us to engage with in this prayer and fasting season. What do You want us to do? How do You want it? How, how does it, how should it look Father, we want to be spending more time with You. We want to draw closer to Your heart in this season. We want to see a great move of God in our lives. And right now, Lord, for people who are believing for breakthrough, for unsafe family members to be drawn and reconciled back to You. God, we pray that, Lord, coming out of this prayer and fasting season, we are believing for testimonies of salvations in families. Lord, we are believing for sick bodies to be healed. We are believing, Lord, for jobs to be created. We are believing, Father, for practical resource and finance to be released. We are believing, Father, for destiny to be revealed and unveiled. We are believing, Lord, for callings to be quickened to people's hearts. We are believing for gifts of the Holy Spirit to be awakened and activated. But Lord, more than all of those practical peripheral answers, we are believing to draw closer to your heart. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be filled, sanctified, empowered by your Holy Spirit. And so God, right now, I'm praying that Lord, you would convict us, you would challenge us, you would lay something upon our hearts. That Lord, over these next 21 days, testimony upon testimony upon testimony would break forth, oh God, in our lives. And we would see a powerful move of the Spirit as we read your Word, as we pray, as we worship, as we meditate upon Your Word, as we deny ourselves of natural appetites, awaken our spiritual senses to the reality of who You are. We love You. We honour You today. In Jesus' Name, everyone says Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.